All right, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of the Steelers Preview. You know, the triumphant trio is back again, myself, Dave Schofield, Brian Davis. Brian, welcome back to the program. I am glad to be back, uh, not covered in ticks with all my sanity of a week out as a scoutmaster. I am tired. Uh, whew. But it's uh, it's always great to be back with you guys as well. I uh, I miss my Thursday nights. They're just not right when I'm not with my big buddies, with uh, Dave and Shiesty Jeff. Hopefully not much longer. Gosh, that that hood is hurting my retinas. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when it's going to stop. If it's preseason week one or week one, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Dave, welcome to the show. How's it going? Oh, it's it's going. That's. My goodness, training camp. I'm so excited for it to get here. And then all of a sudden it's here and I'm like, oh, there's so much to do. This is kind of so different than my routine. And yeah, I'm, it's funny. I love the Steelers news, but I'm really kind of tired of the schedule of it already just because trying to keep up to date with the tracker that we do for the website and things of that nature. But uh, it's it's great to have players playing football as what you're talking about, or at least practicing football, even though they're not even in pads yet, is still better than talking about the part of football that doesn't actually even involve the ball. And you have your, for those that are listening in audio, they don't know this, but for those on Facebook Live or on YouTube, Dave's got his Mitch Trubisky hat on, which is nice. Yeah. Good job. Good job for you getting that Mitch Trubisky hat. Well, now, it's, well, it's not really a Trubisky hat. It's just the one that he wears. I've been wearing the one that Rudolph's been wearing for a while, so... It's a Mitch Trubisky hat, but anyways, okay. Um, <laughs> your brother, Big Bro, was at training camp today. Yes, right? he was. Yes, he Do we was. We have any early reports? I know we're on Friday morning. We're gonna have an article, a knee jerk reaction article from him as it pertains to training camp. But what did you hear? Anything? Uh, that whenever the rain comes and they have the tarp out over the field that when they decide to then practice on the turf, that it's really difficult to see what's going on as much. But uh, he was still able to catch some stuff. He said seven shots is is the best thing. You don't want to miss that at training camp if you go to make sure you're paying attention during that time. But um, I, I don't know because of the there were storms come possibly coming through. I was worried he wasn't going to get to see a practice at all. So I'm glad that he got to see practice. I don't know that it was the best experience, but – when you go and it's free, you just got to get whatever you can get. Did he say anything? Any players that stood out or anything like that? Um, he called me and I was in the store and I was said I'd try to talk to him later. And I actually haven't had a chance to talk to him. Okay. I'm not going to talk to him until after the show. <laughs> you know, he's in the live chat. Is he? Where we where are, did he go? I, I, I haven't been looking. We yeah, are so well represented. We so far have Jeffrey Benedict, State of the Steelers, our mm -hmm. boy Daniel J. Kyle Kreiss is in here. And we yeah. also have the first one in with a what up, fellas, was Big Brosco. Hey, there we go. Nice. Well, yeah, there you go. There yeah. it is. Uh, there it is. Well, I'll look forward to reading the knee jerk reactions tomorrow from Latrobe. And I know that we'll have Kevin Smith in Latrobe. I think Jeffrey Benedict, I did hear him say on one of his podcasts, he's going to try to get there. So 
behind the steel curtain will be well represented. It's, it's good to see uh, having some boots on the ground, so to speak. All right, let's talk about training camp. You know, it's it's back in it's St. Vincent College. We know that it's open to the public. Obviously, just talked about that. Uh, the the title of this podcast is the letters from camp are are, are pretty positive so far. So uh, there hasn't been a lot of negatives. Only been two days. Keep that in mind. But still, uh, what are some of the positive things? Let me let me get this way. Brian, we'll start with you. Who's a player that has just stood out, even from the reports that we're hearing from camp, a player that you're like, oh, it's good to hear this from this player. Well, something that we're going to talk about tomorrow on our show, Here We Go, the Steelers show. And it was brought up to me by KT Smith. And he's saying, you know, the big thing is the fact that on the first shot from seven shots, Mitch to George Pickens in the end zone, in the corner of the end zone, that that is a big deal to him because that shows Kevin Smith that they, what they've seen so far with him out there with the entire, with the first team, it seems like they're ready to utilize him as a weapon. And then you have the other rookie, CA3, um, Calvin Austin third, um, Austin 319, if you want to call him that, he took one. He took a uh, what Kevin called a smoke pass and took it sixty-one yards, sixty-nine yards through the defense. I don't know if that's a, a problem with the defense or the fact that you have rookies that they're inundating right away. And I think those receivers, just from you know, a couple of days of camp, makes you feel pretty good that they they might have been uh, solid selections. But it's early. Okay. He chose uh, the Pickens, Trubisky, uh, seven shots, which happened to Thursday. I believe Trubisky went three for four with three touchdowns, would have had a fourth if Zach Gentry didn't drop a pass. And then Mason Rudolph finished one for three. Kenny Pickett and Chris Oladokun did not get reps in that drill. But Dave, that's neither here nor there. Who's a player, position group, anything that you've heard from? You've been doing the tracker for Behind the Steel Curtain. I know you're on top of the news. Any player stand up? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where Mitch Trubisky threw a pass to George Pickens in seven shots. Uh, I don't think that happened because um, they didn't well, do seven shots yesterday, and he hit Claypool for the first one today. So that's from my reports. I mean, that's you know, and that's coming from my well, brother that was there. That could that could have yeah. been a, a just mixing. I think up. That's a, yeah, okay. Trubisky hit Pickens with a big <laughs> pass. That on Wednesday, apparently Wednesday he hit him for like yeah. forty-five yards yes. down the sideline. There that's we go. Yeah, then because, yeah, I was going to say forty-five yards down the sideline. I don't think that's seven shots because they're at the yeah. two-yard line. Well, <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah. I've got some yeah. editing to do because I'm, <laughs> <No. going, laughs> no. I'm going firsthand well, from no. No, I mean, that's not what it was, was they were surprised because yesterday they didn't, apparently they didn't run seven shots doing it from the goal line. They started off in in the middle of the field whatnot, because it was a big deal because I don't think it was Brian Batko was really, you know, put something out there like seven shots is back because they did. They they did a different version of it yesterday. They did so third down, third down. They did third down scenarios. I think is what I read. Yeah, is what they did yesterday. So yeah. whether it was, it, in essence, it was seven shots, but they just had more room to work with. And apparently, there was there was that a big one to Pickens later on in team period was that Calvin Austin. That's kind of what I'm a little bit excited about the most. But Brian talked about that, so I'll go another route. Apparently, based on the question that was asked, Coach Tomlin in the in the post game 
or post game post practice media session today was uh are you afraid you're going to have to tone back TJ Watt so the offense can actually run a play um when he's asked a question like that that gets you pretty excited that when Trent Jordan Watt is out there going at it right off the bat we didn't see him in training camp last year because of everything going on and it's exciting to see the reigning defensive player of the year out there going hard showing showing all these guys what it means to to work from the very first practice going on uh, i like hearing about tj disrupting stuff still for me uh one of the positives from training camp has nothing to do with actual football but it has everything to do with leadership in my opinion uh, if you want to listen to my thoughts on Ben Roethlisberger's interview with Ron Cook of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, go back to my Monday Let's Ride. And when I did that show, I was hoping that a player would stand up and rebut what was said by the former, uh, the future Hall of Fame quarterback. And who was it? Cam Hayward. It Cam. should shock no one. Yes, Brian's got a jersey. <laughs> on it should shock no one that it was Cam Hayward. He did it on his podcast, and then he doubled down on it the next day today, Thursday, at training camp when he was interviewed before practice. So much so that Ben Roethlisberger started the backpedaling. He had to go on WDVE this morning and say, well, not everyone on there is a me first. I mean, I was just happy. I'm not going into that rant that I had on Monday about Ben's comments. To me, this is everything about Cam stepping up and saying, you know what? You're wrong. You're wrong. These are my guys. This is my team now, and I'm not going to let anyone, even a former player, even a future Hall of Famer, say anything negative about it. Cam might agree with Ben in a lot of ways, but he's not going to let him say it, and he's going to be public about it. That's what I like. Cam Hayward is a genuine leader. He's a true leader, and we talked about this a lot on all of our podcasts on this network, is that this team, both on offense and defense, needs leaders to really step up. You follow Cam's lead. This is exactly what you want to see. When I saw that, I was so happy. So happy. So that, for me, that's a positive coming out of Cam for me. Brian, anything else? Or if you want to chime in on that, go ahead. I definitely want to chime in on that. You know, if this was Family Feud and you asked the question, who was the leader, who is the leader in the locker room and on the field for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, you would get 100 Survey says Cam Hayward every single time because there there's no doubt about it that he's the leader and every single player in that locking room locker room would offense or defense are pointing at Cam and that is what that team needs. Not only is he doing that stuff in the locker room, he's also doing it in the community. Um, it's a matter of time before this guy gets Walter Payton Man of the Year award for everything he does elsewhere so he is a gem for this team um he's he's a hall of famer in my book i don't care if canton never enshrines him all i will say is he's i mean he's first ball ballot Steelers heinz heinz hall dave thoughts on that or do you want to go to something else uh i i love cam i love cam that's the best way to say it i don't really want to get into to all the other things cam said he can speak for this team. He can speak for this team even more than Coach Tomlin can speak for this team because it's it's different coming from your captain than it is your coach. So I love hearing Cam handle those kind of things and handle them so properly. 
you kind of, I mean, Cam having his own podcast, do you worry about what he's going to say on it? No. No. When the former offensive captain had his own radio show every week, did you worry what he was going to say on it? Yes, he every week. He worried about it. So that's just the difference with Cam. Cam is going to say what needs to be say said and and just do that, and 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 keep it as part of the team. What needs to be done for the team? That's just another great reason to love Cam. There you go. Let's go around one more time, Brian. Anything? This doesn't have to be positive. We did say that there are a lot of positives coming out of camp. This doesn't have to be a positive. Um, is there anything else that his in the first two days, which it's only two days, no pads, mind you, anything else stand out to you, Brian, John LeGlue, he's coming to the aid of Mason Cole, who is trying to fight the whole defense. And you never, you never really don't get too concerned. I know we got concerned last year with Chase Claypool and Minka, because that seemed to be a, uh, that seemed to be a whole different uh, that's a whole different monster you're yeah, right yeah <laughs> but not the same but when you're in the heat and the humidity is crazy here in maryland i will tell you that but when you're in that and you're going up against each other pads or not and uh you know tempers are going to flare and i like the fact that uh you have guys sticking with each other already uh you don't want to leave anybody on an island you know, right or wrong, you take care of you take care of your side of the ball. You know, white jersey, gold jersey doesn't matter. They those guys stick together. But I like to see it. But that's not something to worry about. And some people get worried when they hear of uh, a fight in camp. No, because you know TJ's got in fights in camp. This is all something that happens. It's guys trying to come across and stick. And sometimes you've got to be a little more aggressive. You need. You need on the on the sideline, Coach Tomlin, to be like, ah, I like I like his fire. You know, I like what he's doing. All right, he's bringing it. So that's something you want to you want to see there. Now, Big Brosco saying no humanity after the rain today it was cool and breezy at practice, and I'm glad to see that. But temper is going to flare in camp, regardless <laughs> of the weather. Weather the weather. There's going to be weather, but there's going to be hitting, and there's gonna be flaring tempers. Good point. I, I did not hear about the LeGlue aspect of the scuffle, so that's good to know. Dave, what about you? Anything that you've learned or that has stood out to you at all over the first two days? Well, about the scuffle, I think it was a scuffle and not a fight is a good way to do it. You know, if people just take exception to something and push and shove and talk. And then as they said out for, for the guys did this time, the afterwards they hugged, you know, that's just what they did. Um, because you want to, you want to go hard. You want to be intense, but at the end of the day, you're still teammates. And that's, that's how football works. Now, sometimes, you know, people might not, what, what happened with, with, Minka and Claypool was that was not the same thing. No. no. Yeah. Um, Rich said he didn't even notice the scuffle because of everything. They were just kind of it was, I think it was the last play. It was the interception by Spillane, is what it was. Um, but now what was the question again? <laughs> I, I responded to Brian's so number. Did anything just, anything stand else out to you stand in the out? First two days, yes. Um, that they're not wearing pads, therefore, you're not hearing a ton about the offensive and defensive line. But, and even the edge rushers, because they're not wearing pads, you've got to put the pads on for those guys to really be able to do and show their thing. So right now, I'm just you're just kind of in in 
maintaining mode because I really want to see what happens when those guys actually get to go at each other full steam because the last thing you want to do is get someone injured when you're not in, in full pads when those guys are working and doing their stuff. You said the offensive line. Uh, something that stood out to me was was a quote from one of the offensive linemen today, and that was one Kendrick Green. Uh, it, it seems that at least the Steelers are going to give him every opportunity to compete at guard. And he spoke yeah. openly about how he, hey, he, he loves playing guard. I mean, that's a position he played in college. He loves playing guard. Uh, he feels more comfortable at guard. Uh, but then he went on to say that he didn't even like playing center. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, what? <laughs> Why would you say that? Yeah. I mean, that, that was your meal ticket last year to being a starter as a rookie was playing center. And while I don't think that it's him neglecting the position or not seeing it as an opportunity to make, to make the roster or potentially be a starter. When a guy says that shoot, that camp battle is over. It's over before it even started. Uh, Mason Colger center. When yeah. a guy comes out and says, I didn't even like playing the position. Why in the heck would I put him in the position? And so for me, when I heard, when I saw that, Hey, if he's the guard and Kevin Dotson gets booted to the bench, okay, you have a capable backup. May the best man win. Like, that's great. I don't care about that. But in, in, at the same time, really kind of, I was kind of disheartened, I guess is a good way to put it, when I saw Kendra Green say that about playing center. I just, I don't know. It just lacked that fire of, I, I want, I'm going to make, I'm going to take any job I can. So take it for what it's worth. Brian, anything? No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Dave? Yeah, I've been one of those people. I know K KT was another one of those guys that we said earlier on. Every everyone that was so ready to move Kendrick Green to guard, you know, I don't know if it was KT or Jeffrey or one of those. I'm like, hold on a second. I don't think he fits the guard position like he does what the Steelers want out of the center. I just don't know that that's really his fit. I'm really worried now with his fit for this team altogether because he wants to be a guard. He has the attributes of what the Steelers look for in a center, but if he's not capable of doing it, then I think that's ultimately where you had the problem last year. So I don't, I don't know what to say about that. The other thing is, is remember, you know, Mason Cole might not be the only guy that can play center because if they find that he's struggling, which doesn't sound like that's the case, then your other option is also James Daniels. But I don't know that that's the best thing for him. So it is a little bit concerning to hear him say those kind of things. But if they're honestly, if they're telling him that basically you're you're fighting with, with Kevin Dotson to be the starting guard, this is him going all in on being the guard and saying something like that. So you kind of, I don't want to take away from him too much with that, but that is kind of disheartening because to me, I'd, I'd want to keep my possibilities open just to play and be, Hey, I'll, I'll go out there, whatever this team wants me to do. I'll go out there. Um, if they need me to, to, to step into another position, I'm ready to do whatever I can to help this team win. That's the general response that you get. And that's not what you got. So at least he was honest, Yeah. but, but man, that's, that's kind of, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit curious how that's all going to work out now. Brian, go ahead. Dave has just sparked something in me when he said that. And you know what? I really think I I like the last part of Dave's comment the most when he said, you know, that means he's all in on guard. That's great. But, you know, this is kind of, man, I hate saying this. This is a generational thing now. We're seeing this so much with an instant, instant gratification expectation out of 
I'm seeing it with my scouts. I'm sure you're seeing it with your students. There's, I'm seeing it with my kids. Instant gratification is kind of in. And I think it's just a defense mechanism from a guy like Kendrick Green to say, eh, I don't want to play that. I don't want to play center anyways. I want to be a guard. You know, so mm. I I think it's just, it might just be words. I really think it yeah. is. Well, when, when when you ask the girl out and she says no, then you say, I didn't want to go out with her anyway. Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that what you're saying, Brian? Absolutely. You, you, you can't use that example because that's never really happened to you before. I'm, oh, I'm sure. No, that's because cause the truth is I wanted to go out with her and she broke my heart. Yeah. I was, just so, like, I was like, damn it, I'm a loser. Yeah, but it, it's the defense. I, I I didn't even think of that until you brought it up. That it's just sometimes it's it's the defense mechanism. And I've said that about Steelers fans that you know we care about this team so much that sometimes when they're not playing well, all we want to do is tear them down. It's not because of anything else. It's it's because we're so emotionally invested. But anyway, we can move on now. We don't have to go to, into this. I, I, no, no, no. It's fine. And we have a super chat to get here in a second, but still. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the fans and the how invested they are. Nothing was funnier to me than after on day one. So the very first team drills they're doing, Mitch Trubisky drops back two incompletions in a row, and what are fans yelling? Put Kenny in, and it's like yeah. hey, they think they give him one play, but they weren't going to give him two. Well, I hear. Here's the thing. I wrote this in my recap article. I hope that Mitch realizes that this is what it's going to be. It, it. This is what it's going to be. Fans are going to say, put Kenny in every time or any time he struggles because they're always going to think that he is the next guy. So just, I thought that was a funny story, but Sean Manahan gives $5 and says, Kevin Kendrick green doesn't snap the ball well enough to play center. I don't think anyone's going to debate that he struggled at center last year. I mean, if you watch the games, you know that he struggled. Uh, There's a lot more responsibility year. at that position. Yes. And it, my God, my, from from all of the people on our staff, Shannon White, Kevin Smith, Jeffrey Benedict, uh, Dave himself, whether it's PFF grades, whether it's a film room breakdown about him being physically dominated at the point of attack, we, we all saw it. So I don't think anyone's saying that he should be the center. It's just the fact that the comments made it seem like he doesn't want to be the center. That's kind of discouraging. So, okay, I want to ask you all the next, um, uh, another question here. So here we are two days into training camp. Everyone's just all about the news, all about the tweets, all about the videos, and rightfully so. We've waited a long time for this. We talked about this before, minicamp, rookie minicamp, OTAs phase three, whatever you want to call it. We said, take, take these things, take these reports with a grain of salt. I want to ask you, though, the training camp's a different beast, but how do you take these reports with a grain of salt? Do you take them as gospel? I guess those are two ends of the spectrum. Brian, we'll start with you. Yeah, I I really do. Um, I'm going to tease my show again tomorrow with Kevin Smith. And when you're talking about, when you're looking at the quarterback situation, one thing we're hearing right now is Mason Rudolph looks great in camp at the beginning, for two days. Mason Rudolph looks good. Kevin says, of course he should look good. He's been here. He's been around. And when you have other quarterbacks, they're learning the system. He equated to it the fact that he has a very experienced senior quarterback this year and a sophomore that is looks like deer in the headlights. But the reason he looks like a deer in the headlights is because this is his first rodeo with the team as a sophomore 
you know, playing with these guys. But the fact that Kevin sees, uh, I know it's the P word, but sees potential and sees, hey, we've got a lot to work with it, with this guy, but he's got all the tools that we could work with. That's a good thing. And that's what I'm noticing with Kenny Pickett. I even saw on the, the live chat here, you just mentioned it with Mitch Trubisky with two throws, you know, but in the live chat, somebody said, well, you know, the interception he threw could be wet gloves because it was raining. You know, that's that's a possibility all around, too. But it's a long training camp. And these guys don't go 100 percent in a game. We've never seen a quarterback go 19 for 19. They might have gone three for three. But, you know, you have to have the regular averages and with the regular amount of throws. And there's got to be. Just like in baseball with batting average, you've got to have enough at-bats to qualify, and that's the same thing. No one goes 100% with throws. There's reasons. So everything's with a grain of salt. I, uh, I'll i get excited about, um, even though I was erroneous on when George Pickens did it, but just the fact that George Pickens did it, and just the fact that Calvin Austin III did it, and the things that you're seeing, I'm going to get excited about that more than I'm going to get discouraged if there's a if there's something out there that that we don't like i mean gosh last year who were they on right they were on kevin dotson right away because of because of rumors that were coming out in the offseason rumors about his conditioning and right away they were looking at him right away they were looking at devin bush on the very first few plays we want, I just talked about instant gratification. Everybody wants instant gratification. You're not going to get it in the NFL with new players. You're not going to get it with guys coming in from other teams. And you're not going get, to get it with guys coming off of injuries. So forget about instant gratification. This is not a sprint. This is a definite marathon. And, you know, stay to the very end. Something to piggyback on real quick before I send it over to Dave is I love how with fans, it's always like they always look at the next thing. It's never just right now. So, for instance, this mini camp. Oh, wait till training camp. Training camp gets here. Oh, they're not in pads. So they finally put pads on. Oh, wait till the first preseason game. Oh, then it's meaningless games. Wait till week one. It's always just the next thing. Why can't we just take this at face value? No, they're not in pads, but at the same time, we can glean things from it. But Dave, how do you handle these reports in terms of the magnitude of them, or are they kind of obsolete? Yeah, but you hit the nail on the head with what you were saying right there, Jeff. It's always about the next thing, but it's <laughs> we're kind of getting conditioned by this. If, if you think about it, even, even the Steelers themselves and the Steelers media, you know, that's the media part of the Steelers mm -hmm. that's by the Steelers. That's what they that's what they push year after year after year. Oh, it's just football in shorts. Oh, it's just football in shorts. Oh, well, this is this is campus and practice. We're getting out of row, you know. We'll see when when you're lining up from from, from someone, you know, wearing a different wearing wearing a different color helmet. You know, they kind of set us up that way themselves. So th th that's almost what the Steelers are, are doing. But you, you're right; you can't get you can't get to week one without the preseason, and you can't get to the preseason without the pads going on, and you can't get to the pads going on without them reporting the training camp for almost a week first, because that's what's been uh, negotiated in the collective bargaining agreement. And you can't get there before you have minigame. It's it's just the progression. It is the way that, that it goes. So I think you're spot on with that, Jeff, that we do need, we, it's all about context. 
Context is everything, even within a play in the postseason. You still need the context. Oh my, look at this. Um, just, just, just for an example, you know, we, 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 we laugh about some of the narratives that continually happen in the comment section of our articles. And there's one commenter that constantly wants to talk about how wins should not is not a real statistic for quarterbacks because it's not all on the quarterback. Like, well, neither are interceptions. Look at the context of an interception. Look at, you know, when when Mason Rudolph came into the game against Seattle in 2019 and he got an, and he threw an interception. He hit the receiver in the hands and Dante Moncrief showed us why he wasn't working and it went right through and into the arms of another player. So sometimes it's the context. So you've got to look at the context of training camp and not just look forward to the next thing, but just remember the context that it's in when you see it. I'm going to say this now, anyone that's listened to my podcast, whether it's the preview, let's ride, doesn't matter for any duration of time knows that I coached varsity high school across in the state of Maryland for, I don't know, 13 years. If I would have had people watching every single practice that I held leading up to the season, man, they would have seen some really bad practices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that has coached any sport, and I'll even say at any level, you coach Little League Baseball, and you're getting ready for the season. You're out there with the little kids, and it's trying to, it's your, it feels like you're hurting cats. And there are days where you're just like, oh, my gosh, this just nothing is working. These are the practices. You just call it early and say, let's get out of here because it's just a waste of time we have to remember that these are their practices. Yes. It's training camp. And yes, there's a lot of importance to that for the fans, but fans are there watching everything and you're going to see the good and the bad. It is a practice. So we want to put all this emphasis on interceptions and, and stuff like that. But my, I mean, come on people. Like it's, it is their practice. You coach anything, you're going to have really bad days and it's bound to happen. And I don't think we should obviously, um, overemphasize anything about practice. George Pickens contorts his body, makes a fantastic catch. That's awesome. But you got to do it. In, you you got to obviously continue that trend, not just one splash play. So keep it in, keep, keep it in perspective. Is well. Dave, what do you want to say? Something coach Tomlin said today. Oh boy. You're practicing against yourself. Every win by the offense is a loss by your defense and vice versa. So, Really, if if you're like, oh no, the quarterbacks are throwing interceptions, or you're saying, fantastic, the defense yeah. is getting interceptions. So either way you look at it, that that's how it goes right now. But and I remember as a coach, there would be times like, man, the offense is just burying it. It's just like we've scored so many goals today in practice or in game in in game scrimmages in practice scrimmages, uh, you know, offense versus defense, whatever. And then you sit there and think, oh, my gosh, is this because our offense is this good or is our defense this bad? <laughs> <laughs> so it does cross your mind that way for sure. All right. Um, I want to hey, ask you. Honestly, ahead. I will tell you, it was it was one of my first years coaching um, high school football, and we were really struggling on offense and in, in, in a scrimmage period. There was there was a guy we, they just couldn't block um, and. And he, it was his first, he hadn't played football in a couple of years because of academic issues and things like that. And, and um, finally, when the, the head coach turned, turned to the line coach and said, 
pay attention to this of what we're getting from him out there now, just out there on the scout defense. Come to find out that it was that the defense was so good, the offense was struggling. And you, when yeah. we when we finally got to play against someone else, it really showed that that's what's going on. So this is iron sharpening iron. Very good. Very good, Coach Tomlin. All right. Um, <laughs> let's I want to ask you one more question before we get to trivia and all that good stuff. And that is just uh, you might have talked about this already at, on a separate podcast, but I have not heard those takes yet. And that is what are your thoughts on the addition of Jeremy McNichols, which is we knew about Trey Edmonds potentially getting released the day before they reported Tuesday was when he was signed. Is this a shot across the bow at, at a player on the depth chart? Uh, Brian, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts? All right. This is an A-plus signing, and this remains an A-plus signing if Jeremy McNichols sucks. The reason I'm going to <laughs> go ahead and say that. Could you it's, uh, elaborate? <laughs> it, it, it's what needed to be done. Of a guy needed to be brought in. They brought who they thought was the right guy in. It's very interesting that they're they're bringing in a guy that backed up a guy that's very similar to Najee Harris in a way. It went to Alabama, war number 22. Um, Najee's not quite as big, but he's on his way of being a very big, burly guy like Derrick Henry. But he's also he's also a uh, a third down back. And we do talk about this on Here We Go. But one of the things to look at is look how well the Steelers did with guys like Mowelty Moore and guys like, uh, who was kind of a discard from another team, and a guy like Veron Haynes, who was, uh, you know, he's a draft pick here, but uh, not looking to, he wasn't going to start anywhere else. But they did really well with guys like that. And he kind of, he kind of fits really what they need. If we have to knock on wood, which I'll just do, if we have to knock on wood and a situation happens when, if this guy's starting, I have faith in him because I saw him start instead of Derrick Henry in the past. So I kind of like what he brings. He's a journeyman in all in all ways you could describe a journeyman. He, he really is. He's been with a lot of teams in not a lot of time, but I think he fits what they're doing here. And the fact that the effort was made to bring a guy in and not ignore it, that's why it's an A-plus signing. Just like Stefan Wisniewski was, I thought it was a fantastic signing at the time. Hindsight, it didn't work. He got hurt, and then he, he his career was winding down. But it was a good signing at the time. It didn't work. I just like what they're doing with this. I like the aggressiveness. And yes, it's a shot at Benny Snell Jr. It's a it's a shot about hey, earn this job. If you're who you say you are, then earn it but you're going to get some competition. It's not going to be handed to you. Dave thoughts on McNichols and potential depth players that should be on alert. Well, first of all, I have to say that I, I like Brian's reference of Ron Haynes. who I do believe is the answer to the trivia question. Who is the last Steelers running back to yes. get a second contract yeah, um, that we asked that a long time ago. And um, who has been in my car. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> who are three people who have never been in my kitchen? Sorry. <laughs> Brian knows what reference I'm saying there. Um, so cheers. Yes. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, oh, Jimmy McDickles. Yeah. Um, talked about a little bit on the, on the Scobro show. 
I've got to go know a little bit more when Jeffrey and I did our Vertex article on him that is at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. It was out today, Thursday, so it's there if you want to go look at that. Here's the thing with McNichols. This is what I think is really going to answer some questions. I think he's going to tell you an awful lot about your other running backs not named Najee Harris. And this is why I believe that to be the case. If you look at some of the runs he had that, that Jeffrey was highlighting in, in that article, and you're like, oh, yeah, look at him go. And then the question was, does he really run that great? Or was that the offensive line he was running behind? If McNichols comes in and runs like that, then there is no excuse for Benny Snow or Anthony McFarland or any of those guys. If he still runs the way, the way that he did and, ha- and does what he did in his time in Tennessee. If he comes in and he's, you know, getting, you know, lucky to get a yard and stuff like that, then you really have to ask yourself, man, what's going on with the Steelers offensive line? I think it's going to, that's just a different angle to look at it from my perspective, because that's kind of the way I do. But to me, I like that they went out and said, we're not just going to sit where we are if we think there's something we can do to improve. And honestly, if this doesn't work out, I still don't expect them to just sit where they are. If there's someone else out there that could come in and do the job better than that, they're going to bring them in. Sean Manahan gave us $5. Thank you for the tip, Sean. He said uh, McNichols is a guy that can get four to 10 carries per game and average four yards a carry. When I saw the signing, the, my first shock was I actually recognized this name. I mean, there's yeah. like, <laughs> give me, give me an example. Last year they signed Kalen Balaj, And my response is who the heck is this guy? Um, now I, I've, I've heard this name before because they played Tennessee last year, obviously, but I went back to something on that Kevin Smith said on the here we go Steelers show. I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago. And it was all about the running backs and how Benny Snell is a guy. He's different. You know, you need a Benny Snell type in case there's an injury. He's a guy that gets better as the game goes on. He needs a high volume carries to be effective. Yes. I do think Benny Snell can be effective if he is in that situation and the offensive line is doing something. However, Anthony McFarland, to me, this signing is a shot across the bow at him. He's the guy that's supposed to be the quote-unquote change of pace back. He's the guy that's supposed to be the quote-unquote third down back. I just described Jeremy McNichols at the same time. Jeremy McNichols, although he filled in for Derrick Henry, did not get the ball a ton in Tennessee last year. He was a spot player. He saw the ball, did good stuff with it, not saying that. But at the same time, I think that For me, I think Benny Snell, and people hate it when I say this, I think his job is 100% safe this year. He would need to either get hurt, to somehow you know, do something stupid off the field. He's a special teams guy, and he's that guy that you want in case there's an injury. To me, that that this now becomes, first off, I think they're going to keep four running backs, and I think they all make the team. But uh, I, I think McNichols and McFarland are in a battle here to see who actually is that third down back, which makes me also wonder, you, we brought up Mwelty Moore, great third down back. He could actually fill in, and he did fill in a couple times uh, for stretches and did a good job. We brought up Veron Haynes. I'm trying to think of other quality third down backs the Steelers have had in their time. It doesn't have to be the Mike Tomliner. I'm just trying to think back to some third down backs. Brian, go ahead. I got a biggie, Eric Pegram. That's a good one. A very good one. Dave, can you think of any? The problem is Mwelty Moore is the standard of, thir- yes. of the Pittsburgh Steelers 
third down back of someone of our age. Yeah, I mean, you could throw like a, a Chris Rainey maybe in there. Um, would you agree that Amos Zeraway might have started as a third down back and then was eventually won that job? What do y'all think about that? I mean, you could almost say Willie Parker. Wasn't he almost basically like a third down back that ended up becoming the guy? Yeah, that yeah, everybody everybody got hurt. You know, I mean, he, yeah. he started the season and everybody got hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think he never got to be the third third down back because he hardly played. I mean, he played one game in, in 2004, but it was a dandy when he did. And he looked he won the he won the chance to stick around in training camp. You know, Chris Rainey, I mean, we didn't see a lot from him. I mean. I did br- bring up a guy like Pegram. There's there's some other guys that you could look at. I mean, if you yeah, consider John Manahan, he gave his two bucks and says Foo. I'm talking about Chris Fumatu Mafala. He wasn't a third down back. He's like a fullback, I feel like. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's but a third Jerry- down back, for those of you that don't know, is someone that well, if it's third and one, that's not your third down back. No. It's not always your it's backup. Next, it's when it's third and eight. And it's someone that offers something a little bit different and more in the passing game or, or can help protect whatever you do. Or can still help in protect protection. That's what Moore exactly. did so well. He wasn't, yes. just, he had great hands out of the backfield, could run the ball in between the tackles if he had to, but could also pick up the blitz, which is so important for that third down back. That's, that's been my yeah. hesitation with Anthony McFarland since the day they drafted him. This guy's not big enough to pick up a blitz if he wants to be a third down back. But yeah. Brian, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah. Jerry Cherry Band sing Leroy Thompson. And I like that. He ended up having a start for Barry Foster a good bit, but he played a good bit in that third down role. Um, we're seeing some we're seeing some names like Deuce and Bam Morris and Jaylen, I say no. Jay, Steel Dog 88, Jalen Samuels. But, I would but probably I like that. I like that's that. what he was supposed to be. Yeah. And I think Rich Ehrenberg by Sherry Richards, I think that's mm-hmm. that that's a good one too. So you know, there's a but, there's a big difference though between backup between yes. your backup guy that's not starting and your third down back. Yeah, someone, some said people DeAng- also, someone said D'Angelo Williams, like he was yeah, not a no, third down back. He was Go not ahead, a third Dave. down back. Go ahead. Because the other people sometimes get confused because you think of third down on third and short. That's not your third down back, that's your goal line back. Even if it's in your own in your own territory in the third one, that's you're, you're using your in essence your goal line package to go in and power for one yard. Uh, that's sometimes people think of that as and get confused with a third down back. What changed everything to me, and you see the NFL changing this way, is a running back like a Le'Veon Bell, yeah, who was an every down back because he was also that same style of back to be the quote unquote third down back that you could be looking for. Well, I would even go a step further and say that Mike Tomlin has changed that position as well, because he has reverted back to this is my guy. And I want a specific type of guy. I want a guy that can be on the field for three plays the whole time. I don't need to bring in a third down back. Mm -hmm. I don't need to get a two headed monster out there. Cause he's my guy and he can do everything that I want him to do. He can catch, he can run, he can block, do all those three things. You can do them in every, every down and distance. Why do I need to take you off the field? And that's Le'Veon Bell. And that was James Conner when he was healthy. And now it's Najee Harris. So maybe Mike Tomlin has a say in that as well. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. We do have trivia. Brian, do you have any? 
Yeah, I actually have a very fast one. Um, Dave started it, and I just came up with it. So I think this is going to be really fun. You know the first part about it. You got to do it in a form of Jeopardy. So along with Veron Haynes, these are the two other notable names that have been in my car. Oh, one, one is a legendary Steeler running back. The oh, other who is, is a, who is Frenchie Fuqua, and the other is a WWE Hall of Famer. So <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff got the got in the front. <laughs> so I got mine right, Dave. You're and right. and it's not Dave Schofield and and Jeff Jeff because they have been in my car. Yes, but it's not them. WWE Hall of Famer, he said. W- yes. Former Steeler, WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, this guy was not a Steeler. Oh, was not a Steeler. Was, was he from Was, was he from Pitts? Was he from Pittsburgh? No, he was not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Actually, he's from the enemy territory. He's from Baltimore. Ooh. Oh, WWE. But you don't think of him as a Baltimore guy. You think of him as a foreigner. Mm. He was the Iron Sheik. Close. <laughs> Close, oh. very close. Tag team partner of the Iron <laughs> can't with Nikolai Volkov, can I? It is Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> yeah. Has been in my car. Yeah. There you go. So and I have his wrestling doll. Lost yeah. the hat, though. Can't, that, the hat's gone. But Nikolai, I still have the wrestling doll. Nikolai is a beautiful man, and so yeah. is Frenchie Fuqua. And I thought a lot of Veron Haynes as well. There you so. go. All right, Dave, trivia time. I do have a trivia time, but honestly, I, I hate to do this to you guys. Oh, I've got another activity for you first. I know, I hope it doesn't make us go too long, but I've, I've just got to do it. Because I, being a, 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 well, I say former teacher, meaning because I'm not fully employed doing that anymore. I, I, I just have to be very well-rounded with my education. We already had Steeler spelling bee. Don't worry, I didn't do. I had the perfect 10 second clip of a song to play here, but I don't want to mess that up for us because of YouTube. Dave, I desperately have to pee. So come on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what I'm saying is this time we're doing Steelers math bowl. Here we go. This is how this is going to work. I even told you guys you could have a writing utensil and a piece Uh. of scratch paper. No phones, no calculators. This is how it's going to work. I'm going to give you three three names. These are current Steelers or very well-known historical Steelers. You are going to take their jersey numbers, complete the mathematical functions, and tell me what player you're remaining with. All right? Now, when I say this, we are not – I'm going to say it. If you want to get technical with some of these, when you talk about order of operations, I'm telling you, we're putting parentheses around the first two names. Everyone is going to be three names. So you do the first two, then I give you the third one. So do them in the order that I say them. Don't worry about, oh, do I have to multiply before I add or anything like that? Do, do them in order. So where I like parentheses, tell me what player you got. You ready? Yes. You ready? Here we go. And so you use the numbers, get the jersey number, and the number's got to be of the current Pittsburgh Steeler wearing this number. Okay? So here we go. I want you to take TJ Watt minus Heath Miller times Kenny Pickett. That's actually Connor Hayward, by the way, just so you know. Yep. Nope. Brian, you're not going to get it right. Jeff, you got a chance. What's that? He already got it. No, he didn't. He didn't tell me the player. 
Oh. Oh. Who is Alex Highsmith? <laughs> there you go, Brian. It's not just the jersey number. Oh. You've got to give me the the. the I'm the sorry, name. I had to correct Dave. He said current players in. I said in the question that it could be historical players. I was afraid you wouldn't know what number Connor Hayward was, so I changed to Heath Miller. Oh, you God. realize <laughs> I just did Digit Dynasty, so I know every single current. Well, number. you should. Yeah, you should know everyone's numbers anyway. I'm not going crazy players. Okay. So here you go. These should be well known. Anyone could do this. You ready? See, big big bro, he, he knew who it was right away. You ready? Next one. Cam Hayward minus Chuksakora four plus Benny Snell. Who do you get? Do 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 Buddy do, Johnson. Do. That is correct, Brian Anthony Davis. That would be Buddy Johnson. Is Jeff even trying? Not really. I hate math. This is. I'm <laughs> writing the numbers down, but I'm not really worried about the function. Here we go. Oh, the, it's not difficult. I'm not asking you to take a derivative or anything like that. Okay. Here you go. Najee Harris minus Deontay Johnson times Chase Claypool. Do you want it, Jeff? I've got Derek, it. But... Derek Watt. Derek Watt. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. See, now here we go. We're, I'm going historical again, Jeff. Okay. They can be historical in the equation. They just can't be historical in the answer. You ready? Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger times Mitch Trubisky minus Derek Tuska. Oh, Tuska. Najee Harris. That would be Najee Harris. Very good one, Brian Anthony Davis. What number is Tushka? He has 48. Ah, that's funny. If I'd have said Bud Dupree, you would have got it. (laughs) Yeah, I would have thought about that too. I forgot Bud's number. Yeah. All right. And we got one last one. He's 44 now. Derek White, you just said it. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm really, I'm really tired. I'm really hey, tired. Did you, okay. Jeff, did you know that Buddy Johnson's now 45 instead of 51? I didn't even know he's 51 last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's 45. Yeah. So, all right. Who's 51, Jeff? Yeah. So James, for that James, one, that was seven times James 10 Ferrier. minus 48. That was it. Yeah. James Miles Ferrier's Jack. My, Miles Wait Jack. Miles Jack's 51. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you just said, oh, so Miles got 51 and Buddy Johnson has 45. 45, yep. Here we go. This one, this one, see, see how we can go. We're going into the, you're going to have to dip into the triple digits here Ooh, for gosh. a little bit. You're like, what? Kendrick Green God, what is times oh. Mason Rudolph minus Isaiah Loudermilk. Oh, Loudermilk. Kendrick Green, Tom's Mason Rudolph, Fidarius, Terrell Edmonds. Jeff for the steal. Oh, am I wrong? I'm not wrong. It's not um, Pickens, is it? That would be correct. One (laughs) chance to Jeff gets Shiesty Pickens. Wait, 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 wait. No, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) 53 times two is 106. Minus 92. Minus 92. Isaiah Loudermilk's 92. Oh, I had him at 72. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, you were off by yeah. 20. 
you were. So uh, there you go. To go so fast. Yep. Can't believe you that you got two right. And now, are, are you ready? I do have one other thing that is trivia that's real quick. Um, as the, and paper or we no, 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 no. Okay. As the Steelers go into training camp where a lot of people are looking at the rookies and the players drafted and things of that nature. Me, I've often said, I look at players taking the first four rounds as locks to make the team. The fifth round is where it gets a little bit shaky and beyond there's, there's nothing there. There's no guarantees that they'll even, that they're going to make the 53, but the Steelers have, they've had players in the first four rounds, you know, Sometimes it's whether they make the team or not. They've actually had a number of them never appear in an NFL game. Since the merger, since the merger, I'm not going back before that. What's the highest drafted player by the Pittsburgh Steelers to never appear in an NFL game? Two. Round two. No, no. Overall pick. Oh. I should have said that, but you're right. It is round two. It was a running back. I mean, uh, no, it was a guy back in the late seventies, like 79. So 28, uh, let's say 56. 56 is actually the draft pick of one. Senquez Golson, who never appeared in a game. Oh, there are actually. But I wasn't I wasn't thinking of Senquez. But fifty six. There was also a fifty six in nineteen seventy six. Is it? It's James Files as a center. That's never never played in a game. But there James actually, Files. That's who I was thinking of. But I couldn't. I would have never okay. got his name. There are actually three players drafted higher than that by the Steelers that never appeared in an NFL game. Uh. Claude saying Gabe Rivera, but he played in he played, yeah, he in, played six in six games. Several. Yeah. Um, wow. Jeff's like, yeah, I surrender. Um, yes. There, the the players that were higher than Golson. There was um, from nineteen seventy three pick number fifty, Ken Fares, defensive back, and that's P H Fares, P H A R E S. I think okay. that's Ferris. Is it or Ferris? Okay, that could Ferris, be correct. I've I've never heard of him though. I just know that. Um, then there was 49th overall defensive end in 1978, Willie Fry. But the winner of them all is a tackle from 1982, second round pick, 43rd overall, John Meyer out of Arizona State. Highest drafted player by the Steelers since the merger to never appear in an NFL game. Hmm. Hmm. Really interesting. Good. That's good there stuff. Go. All I right. Let's a- do some. Oh, good. Okay. No, I, I was around the files pick. I would have never got his yes. name, but I, I, I knew that since they were number one and uh, 28 plus 28. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts, Brian. Go ahead. Wow. It is the start of camp. It is early on and we're getting so excited. And just like these gentlemen have, have said that, you know, yeah, we've got to go through this whole progression before we get excited about something, you know, You've got to know that I can't go back to work after an absence. Jeff, Dave, they can't go back to work without having to uh, without having to uh, remember some things. You know, you can get back on that course, but you're like, hey, I'm rusty. I've got to get back out there. So just, you know, understand that 
if you want instant gratification, then you're not going to be happy in a lot of things in your life because some things just take time. And this is what's going to take time. You know, just because Kenny Pickett might end up as the third quarterback does not mean that he was a bad pick. It is a marathon at that quarterback position for him. That's what they're looking for. That's what the Chiefs did with Mahomes. Just because Mason Rudolph is coming in and looking good, he knows the offense. And sure, he has a chip on his shoulder. He should come in and you want him to come in. But that doesn't mean that the Steelers wasted money on Mitch Trubisky. Let these guys play before you say that they're not okay. <laughs> and make things out of clay. <laughs> what, what do you, do you say? say? <laughs> I eat pieces of, like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of, for breakfast. <laughs> Anyways, enough happy Gilmore talk. For Dave, uh, final thoughts. Um, you know what? If if you it's if not, you're never going to be satisfied, Brian. With the, what we were talking about before, if you're always waiting for the next thing, think about it. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the product they put on the field in Week One of the regular season, is not going to be anywhere close to the product that they put out there in Week. Um, I said the bye week, so I'll say Week Ten. Okay, it's it's supposed to be a process where they get better, and I've said it before. Don't peak too soon. You need to be a team that is playing well at the right time at the end of the season. You've just got to play well enough to then put yourself in position to be in the postseason, play well at the end, and roll through there. So there's a long ways to get there. That's just how it is. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy seeing the players out there for the first time. Then enjoy seeing them in pads. And shockingly, because so many people even dismiss this, enjoy the preseason. Enjoy the process. Be happy that the Steelers team is coming together. Um, I'm I'm ecstatic for what this is coming. I just I just want to see more football. I want to sit down on my couch and turn on a Steelers game and wave my terrible towel or sit in my seat at Acrisure Stadium. And I almost went the whole episode without bringing it up, Jeff. Um, and and just in enjoy it. We're we're right there. Just if you can't take joy out of what you're seeing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, then 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 what are what are we here for? Enjoy the moments. There you go. I will not be on the show next week. I'm need I need a break. And uh, <laughs> enjoy your moments. You, de- you yeah. deserve one. Yeah, you deserve I'll be on. I'll, I will be on. Let's ride. You can still hear me Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but I will not be on the, the preview. I'll be at the beach. I'll be back the week after where we actually preview a flipping Yay! game. It's exciting. Yeah. So, but anyways. Uh, make sure you check those guys out next week. Dave, why don't you send us out? Hey. See you next week. When I know that it can never really